1: This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm going to direct all of our attention now to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let me read to you this section of scripture that tells us about our God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 9 through 12 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them he will not be slack with the one who hates him he will repay him to his face you shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today and because you listen to these rules and keep and do them the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers if you want to understand the Bible better, you need to understand the concept of covenant. And if you want to understand marriage, you've got to understand covenant and the nature of covenant. And if you want to understand how and why it is that societies can exist and thrive, you need to understand covenant and the nature of covenant. And so today we're going to be talking about covenant and understanding what a covenant is and what it means to keep a covenant should cause us to rejoice in the Lord God who is our covenant keeping God. God is a covenant keeping God. So what is a covenant? Well, let me provide for you two definitions, and then I will try to explain them. So Dr. Starkenberg at uh, Trinity Christian College says that it is a political agreement between two parties ratified by a self-maledictory oath. Let me give you some more big words from Meredith Klein. Meredith Klein says it's an oath-bound commitment with divine sanctions. These are two great definitions of covenant, but because there are some big words in there it may be that this is still a little bit challenging for us to understand what a covenant is so let me try to break it down a covenant is an agreement between two people or or one that the lord as sovereign can make with us and in it there's this agreement wherein people or god are saying all right if i fail to live up to this commitment to this promise to this covenant that i'm making I'm inviting the judgment of God upon myself. That's what Meredith Klein is getting at when he talks about how um, it's a a oath-bound commitment with divine sanctions. It's this commitment that you make and you're saying, all right, if I fail to live up to this, I'm inviting the judgment of God upon myself. It's an incredibly serious deal. In certain ways, it's more fundamental even than making a promise. If I break this covenant, may God judge me. So that's what a covenant is. Having explained what a covenant is, I want to show you what a covenant is all about from Scripture. And I want to show you what a covenant is all about in two different places. The first place is in uh, Genesis 2 and 3, and the second place is in Genesis 15. So I want to look with you first at Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. So Genesis 2 and 3 say this. So Genesis 2, 15 to 17 says the following. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it. To keep it, that means to defend it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "'You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, "'but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil "'you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it "'you shall surely die.'" This is the first covenant that we read about in Scripture. It's the covenant that is made with Adam, the covenant that's made with man, and through the man, all of humanity along with him. This is the first covenant that we witness, that we bear witness to. And this seems like an extremely good deal to me. Doesn't it seem like an extremely good deal to you as well? All right, Adam, I'm putting you in a garden. I'm giving you a task and work which will bring you fulfillment. I'll provide all of your food and it will grow and you can eat almost any of it. Just this one tree, don't eat from that one. I will give you companionship. I'll give you a wife. Just don't eat the fruit from this one tree. This seems like an extremely good situation and arrangement to me. God's saying, I made you because I'm good I placed you in this beautiful creation that I made because I'm good. I'm giving you a good task because I'm good. And the one restriction is just don't eat of this tree. That's it. Now, God is the one that sets the terms of this covenant because God made Adam. You have to understand when you make someone, you get to set the rules for that person. So boys and girls... Your parents made you. They get to set the rules. It's one of the challenges of being a mom or a dad. It's also one of the privileges. When you are a child, when you've been made by your parents, you have to listen to your parents. They made you. They get to set the rules. There are two children in particular that I want to preach that to in the sanctuary here this morning. But because God made the man and he made the woman, God gets to set the rules. So he is the one that establishes this covenant. These are the requirements. I'm giving you everything that you need. And I'm placing you in a, in a paradise of sorts. All that you need to do is just not eat of this tree. Don't eat this fruit. So much goodness of God. And what happens? Well, Genesis 3 tells us what happens the serpent comes and tempts the woman and the man who was with her, and he entices them to eat the fruit of the tree that the Lord God had told them not to eat from, and the woman, and then after her, the man who was with her, the man and the woman desire to be like God, and they eat the fruit of the tree that God said, do not eat of this, it's the first sin. And the Lord God comes to the man and the woman, and they run from him. And he calls them to him. And he pronounces some words of judgment on them. Because they've broken the covenant. They hear some of the curses that are going to come to them. Because they have been covenant breakers. Because they've been covenant breakers. And that's what Genesis three fourteen to 19 say. The Lord. So first the Lord God comes to the serpent, and then to the woman, and then to the man. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Then there are a couple of verses after that. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God, you see, had made a covenant with Adam in Genesis chapter 2. And as Adam ate the fruit, humanity is plunged into sin. Adam fails on a number of, in a number of places here. He had been given this task to keep the garden, and when the serpent comes in and begins tempting his wife, his response should have been to slay the dragon, to kill that serpent, to put an end to the serpent, the deceit that was being visited upon his wife, but he did not. He agreed to just listen to the falsehood and the deception that was taking place. And then he further ate of the tree that the Lord God told him not to eat. And because this wasn't just a suggestion from God, but this was a covenant, it means that because the man had broken the covenant, the man and the woman, they now experience the judgment of God for being covenant breakers. And God pronounces the judgment. But God's gracious even in his judgment. He had said, when you eat of this, you'll die. But he lets the man and the woman live for a period of time. They're now mortal and they will die. They would have lived forever. Now they will die, but he didn't kill them on that particular day. He clothed them. He covers their nakedness. They realize they're naked because of sin and he clothes it. And then he pronounces the curses. To the man who had been given the task to work the garden... This work is now going to become toil. He's going to have to deal with thorns and thistles. He's going to need to eat bread through the sweat of his brow. He's going to die now. I made you out of dust, the Lord says, but I made you to never die. Now that sin is in the world, you will die. To the woman, he tells her that childbearing will be very painful now. And there's going to be discord and disruption in her relationship with her husband. She'll desire contrary to him or to master him. He'll rule over her, a disruption of the relationship between men and women, but husband and wife, a a fundamental breakdown because of sin. And the serpent who did the deceiving, since the man didn't kill the serpent as he should have, the son of man will crush the serpent. Covenant curses for the breaking of the covenant. It's different from just breaking a contract. It's different from simply not keeping your word. This was a covenant that had been shattered. And therefore there was judgment. Do you see how serious it is to break covenant? Do you see how fundamental the issue is with covenant breaking? Now that we see how serious covenant breaking is...
0: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God. Discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. We're going to take a look at a section of scripture that always blows my mind. And that passage of scripture is Genesis chapter 15. An extraordinarily beautiful passage, but one that's deeply mysterious. So let's take a look at the entire chapter. And as we, uh, as we sort of turn there to look there, and it's going to be on the screen for us, let me just set the stage for us. After the fall of humanity, if, if you know the biblical story, the humanity became exceedingly wicked, and so the Lord God sent a flood. He started over with Noah and Noah's descendants, but they're still wicked. They populate the earth, the languages of the world are confused at the Tower of Babel, and then And then, in Genesis chapter 11, we're told that the Lord decides he's going to choose Abram and Abram's descendants. And he tells Abram, he said, all right, leave your land and your father's household and go to the place that I will give to you. And he makes a promise. After Abram heeds the voice of the Lord and goes and leaves his home and his family and everything that's familiar and follows God, the Lord God gives to him a promise that he's going to bless those who bless him, that he's going to make his name great, that through him all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And in Genesis 15, we see that there has been some time that has passed since the Lord God first chose and called Abram, Abram's now an old man. He's feuded with his nephew Lot. Lot has settled the land that's better watered. It seems as though Lot is going to be more fruitful. And Abram, at 90 years of age now, still has no heir, no name, no great blessings, no nation. Still has not been a blessing to all the nations. Will the Lord God keep his promises? And the Lord reminds Abram that he will. And that's where Genesis 15 picks up for us in this mysterious and beautiful section of Scripture. Let me read this entire chapter of the Bible for us. After these these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain, "...that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete." When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land of the Kenites, the Kenzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now that is Genesis chapter 15. Now there might be a bunch of stuff that's happening in that section of scripture that is confusing to us. And it's because we don't understand the covenant-making ceremonies that the people of Israel would have understood when they read this section of Scripture. When you hear this, you probably wonder, why in the world is it that Abram is given this task? All right, take this heifer and this goat and these other animals and and cut the animals in half and, and set them on opposite sides of each other. And then what in the world is this deep sleep that he falls into? And then this smoking fire pot shows up and goes through the pieces. What in the world is happening? Well, Let me explain it to you by uh, explaining a little bit about what would happen in covenants in this particular era And to do that, you know what i'm going to actually pull the pulpit back here And i'm going to just try to illustrate what would happen for you So what would happen in ancient covenants is that there would be a king that would take over a group of people A great suzerain a great king a great leader and then he would make a covenant with the people that he had conquered what would happen is you would need to take animals and cut them in half oh man i hope this works here and you would need to set them on either side one on one side after you'd cut the animals in half and one on the other all right so this is the heifer that's been cut in half here (laughs) i figured actually cutting a heifer in half would not be ideal for this sermon this morning or a goat I don't know how to get a live heifer or goat either, and it would be very messy. So what would happen is the the people who had been conquered would cut these animals in half. All right, that's the first one. That's the heifer. This is the goat right here. Less substantial. Two pieces of paper. So what would happen is after the king was making a covenant with them, the people who had been conquered would be told to walk through the halves of the animals that had been cut in two. This is how a covenant would be made, and it was a very visceral and visible sign that communicated something in particular. What this was saying is, if you fail to live up to your commitments in the covenant, I am going to make you like these animals. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to tear you in two. I'm going to separate you. And this conquered nation that was making a covenant with the king, they would walk through the halves of the animal as if to say, well, this is what they were saying through doing it. They were saying, all right, if I am faithless, let me be like these animals. Let me be torn in two. Let me be cut in half. Let me be killed. That's the way a covenant would have been made at this particular time. It would have been a situation that the people were very familiar with. And so God is employing the same covenant-making scheme. But there are two extraordinary things that are happening in Genesis chapter 15 that we never would have anticipated taking place. There are two astounding things that happen in Genesis chapter 15. The first astounding thing is that Abram the one who the great king is making this covenant with, the first astounding thing is that Abram does not walk through the pieces, does not walk through the animals that he's just cut up. Abram actually falls into this deep sleep. That's what the text says. Abram falls into a deep sleep, and the Lord comes to him and makes covenant commitments with him. And because God is so gracious, He does not require Abram to walk through the pieces of the animals. That's the first astounding thing. The second one is far more astounding. Not only does Abram not walk through the halves of the animals that have been split apart, but God does. God does. You'll notice in the passage as it concludes, it says that a smoking firepot appears and walks through the halves. This smoking firepot is an appearing of the Lord God. It's a smoking firepot that displays and demonstrates the glory of God. I think Meredith Klein calls it like an epiphanic glory cloud, if you want some big theological words that most people don't understand, including myself. The Lord God appears as the smoking firepot, and God walks through the halves of the pieces. He causes his glory to go through the halves of the pieces. As he's doing that, what he's declaring to Abram, and to Abram's descendants, and to all of us today, is God is saying, if you, Abram, are faithless, then I will be made to be like these animals. I'll be torn apart. I'll be killed because of your faithlessness. What Deuteronomy tells us in our passage today is that God is a covenant-keeping God. And one of the things that the Old Testament demonstrates to us in vivid, high definition is that the people of Israel are faithless again and again and again and again and again. The people of Israel are faithless. And if you're surprised by that, you shouldn't be. What you should do is look at your own heart and your own self and your own life and your own family and realize that you and I are faithless again and again and again and again. But God, you see, is always faithful to the covenant. And so in the fullness of time, God proved that he's faithful to the covenant. And he came as a baby in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, the God-man, came for you and for me And he was faithful in all the ways that the people of Israel had been faithless. And he came to Jerusalem at the end of his earthly ministry and he went to the cross. And he was saying, my people have been faithless, but I made a covenant with them that if they were faithless, I'd be torn apart. I'd be killed. I would carry in my own body The penalty for my people's faithlessness. And so Jesus went to the cross and experienced all of the curses of covenant breaking that he had not done, but that we had, that his people had done. And he submitted himself to death to be faithful to the covenant that he had made. He died for your faithlessness and mine, for the faithlessness of his people. Because God is always faithful to His covenants.
0: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope For Your Life, Visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema,
1: and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you.